Welcome to today's episode of Control Intelligence. I'm Mike Bassador, Editor-in-Chief of Control Design and your host for today's podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Jim Stevens, who is Encoder Product Specialist for Posital Fraba. We'll be talking about encoders. Jim has been a part of the encoder industry for almost 40 years. He received his Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering from the University of Idaho, and he's been involved with FIRST Robotics as a team mentor for almost 15 years. Hello, Jim, and thanks for joining me today. Yeah, good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Doing great. It's great to have you here this morning. Thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. So given your background, can we start with a basic overview of encoders? What, what are the basic types and differences, for example? Sure, absolutely. You know, um, let's, let's start with the very fundamental, you know, just, just in case we have some newbies on, uh, on the podcast here. Sure. You know, an encoder is uh, an electromechanical device that um, converts, you know, mechanical motion, you know, either rotary or linear motion into some form of electrical signal, you know, such that a, you know, control system controller or whatever can control a mechanical system in, in the real world. Okay. So, so now, now, you know, moving forward from that point, if you look at encoders, you know, industrial control encoders, there's really, really three basic types. You know, you, you have standalone encoders, you know, which are, are encoders that you can take, essentially have their own bearing, their shaft, and they're a complete unit. You can plug them in, fire them up, throw them on a table, turn the shaft, and those encoders will, will give out signals. Those, those, those type of encoders come with, you know, either solid shafts, you know, a hollow blind bore, so they go onto a, a, onto a shaft, or sometimes they even come with a, a complete through bore. The next type of encoder that you'll typically see in control systems are linear encoders. And as the name implies, you know, they, they, they are able to transduce uh, linear motions into electrical signals. So they, they can be like glass scales, you know, attached to a machine, you read this glass scale as, as a table's moving and a machine gives you a, a linear displacement. And also that, you know, these, these sometimes can be seen as what they call a string encoder, essentially an encoder, a rotary encoder with a, with a drum, with a string on it or a cable on it that converts uh, as the string pulls out of the product, converts uh, into linear rotary motion and gives you signals. And, uh, and uh, you know, the last, last type of encoder you come across in, in the, these type of applications is a, is a kit encoder. And a kit encoder essentially is a bunch of parts. You know, Ponsol could ship a kit encoder to a customer uh, consisting of four main parts. You throw the parts on a table and the, the, the encoder is not functional. You know, that type mm -hmm. of encoder is really requiring the customer or OEM or whoever's using the product to assemble it to a, a shaft and bearing assembly in order to make it a, you know, a functional device. Great explanation. So what about incremental encoders and absolute encoders? For example, what what are the what are the difference between those two types? That's the fundamental, you know, types of types of encoders. Of course, you know, in, incremental encoder is 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 a relative encoder. So an incremental encoder is is a device that, as you turn a shaft or as it functions, uh, it squirts out a, a series of square waves. Okay, those square waves have to be counted or, or totalized to keep track of, of position. Okay, so you know the you know a lot of times you you see an incremental encoders as an optical encoder. You know may have a thousand lines on a disk. You know, that, and as that, that disk rotates one rotation, uh, you'll see a thousand square waves coming out of the encoder. It also has a second second channel, uh, which is offset by one quarter of a cycle, which gives you the ability to uh, uh, discern direction of rotation. And once again, you know, incremental encoders are, are relative. So if you lose your count, okay, you have to go back to a known location, start over at zero and, and move forward. So now, now you know, conversely, uh, there are absolute encoders, an absolute encoder essentially 
gives you a true position at any point in time. So, you know, basically it, it can be operating and query the encoder, uh, give you a position, it gives you a position, you turn power off, you lose lose your, your counts or whatever, you fire back up, the absolute encoder gives you gives you actually true position at any point in time. You know, that was where so you left off. Yeah, exactly, where you left off, exactly right. So speaking of the, the Positel kit encoder product line, what would be, say, an appropriate application for that product line with its on-axis and hollow shaft absolute options compared to, say, a typical incremental kit encoder? So, so really, when it, when it comes to kit encoders, you know, incremental or absolute, that the applications are, are very similar. The application is, is that a kit assembles to a, a bearing and a, and a shaft. It could be incremental or, or, or absolute. Uh, so the applications are, are the same, but uh, the difference is uh, you have that relative versus versus uh, you know absolute position. You know many times both these both these encoders, the kit encoders, find themselves on the, on the tail shaft or end bill of a motor as as a as a as a motor feedback device. You know, and then we also have a a large hollow bore uh, uh, version of the uh, kit encoder, and those type of encoders, you know, you usually find themselves on a you know, larger, essentially larger diameter motors, you know, 30 or 50 millimeter shaft motors can find themselves on on uh, hollow bore motors. In other, in other words, a motor that has a, a hollow shaft that goes completely through it, you know, such as, you know, maybe if you think about a, a robotic arm where you need to run cabling through a robotic arm from one joint to the next internal to the arm. So you need an encoder that has a, a large bore to go, you know, to, to go in hand in hand with a, a motor that has a hollow bore such that you can run cabling or, or, or control lines or whatever through, through the encoder, you know, subsequent joints in a, in a robotic arm. A lot of robotic applications uh, certainly springing up, especially lately with the influx yeah. of robotic. I mean, even the robotics within different manufacturing cells that are uh, that are coming out, that, that's that got to be a, a high growth industry, I'm assuming. Oh, it is. Absolutely. You know, the, the way of the world, you know, today's dates, you know, it, it's difficult to find labor. You know it, that that's driving automation. You know our, our world of automation is is a is a hot business right now. So, you know robots are, are part of that automation. So, feedback device manufacturers such as Positol are are enjoying a, a a great situation now in the in the world in the market. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, during the gold rush. It was uh, not so much the the people panning for gold as the people selling the the shovels and the correct um, correct the, and the that's a good that's a good the, analogy. That's a good right. analogy. So let's talk Wigand sensor. Obviously a very important part to absolute encoders, becoming battery free or not having mechanical turns, counting gears. Can you share any insight about the sensor itself and, and why it's so critical and, and the impact that it's had? This this is actually a great point. You know, Wigand sensor, you know, so 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 Ponstall, you know, manufactures um, a line of, of Wigand sensors. And basically what a Wigand sensor does in a nutshell, it's an energy harvesting device that can generate a, a, a pulse, actually two pulses of, of energy during a rotation of a magnet relative to that to that device. So now, now if you think about, you know, traditional absolute encoders of the past, a lot of times um, the old absolute encoders, you know, the very old ones, I've, I've been in the business for, you know, 200 years, it feels like. And if you look back at the back in the old days, you used to see these uh, absolute encoders that were essentially a work of art. You know, they, they, they had very precise gear trains in them. They have a disc that rotates once per revolution to give you a a single turn resolution. Then they have another disc that's rotating on a gear train that gives you uh, a multi-turn count. These gear trains were, were just, they actually were pretty cool, you know, <laughs> but 
you know, so that that was an old version. You know, you have a gear trains, you know, running in the absolute encoder. It gives you it gives you absolute position. You turn the mm -hmm. power off with those encoders. You turn the shaft. You turn it back on. It knows exactly where it is, even though the shaft turned during power off. You know, more recently, you're seeing absolute encoders. You know, sometimes mostly in the in the Asia market where they have um, you know battery backup, maintain a turns count on on the on the absolute encoder. Right. But how you know? But you know. Batteries, you know, batteries have a have a, a finite life. You know, at some point they need to be uh, serviced or or replaced. And uh, if the, if it should happen to miss that cycle of replacing the battery, uh, you lose your 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 count. You know, so you have to reset your system and start up and you know, start over. So now now you start thinking about well, um, uh, the Wagen sensor that that the uh, uh, is using. So if you if you have a device, and this is in Ponsol's uh, magnetic encoders, of course. Because right. uh, the Wigan sensor is a magnetic uh, uh, device, so so if you if you think about that device, it, it, if you put that inside of an encoder and you have a magnet rotating once per revolution, giving you your single turn value, a resolution value, such that you know when the when the, the single turn rolls over from maximum count back to zero, if you're able to generate a, a, a pulse of energy at that right. point, that's independent of of shaft speed, independent of uh, external conditions, only dependent upon the the magnet rotation and location in the in the encoder. If you if you could take that pulse of energy and wake up a a controller and write a bit to a, to a non-volatile memory and go back to sleep, you could you can maintain your turns counts. Mm -hmm. Essentially, that's what uh, Pozdal is doing with their their Wagen sensors inside their magnetic encoder. Uh, the Wagen sensor allows you to essentially turn the encoder off, uh, remove it, whatever you want to do, you know, it's off, you go turn the shaft, you know, clockwise, counterclockwise, so your incrementing counts, decrementing counts, you know, multi-turn, and you can come back a day later, a week later, a year later, and that, that encoder, as, when it wakes up, powered up, it'll, it'll provide you true physical location. So that's that's something that the, 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 the Wagen sensor has, um, you know, essentially provided uh, in terms of functionality for, for positive products. There's no batteries, no gear trains, none of this horsing around to get, get a, you know, Get an absolute position. This this thing's a self-contained, uh, you know, true absolute encoder. I sometimes I argue that that battery-backed, you know, multi-turn encoders are not really true absolute because if you lose battery, you're you're done. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a form of RAM, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but but um, but but with a but with a, with the, with the Wagen sensor, yeah, it, it really really provides a true absolute product. Yeah, that is kind of important, I guess, to the. Uh... To the encoder itself to be able to have that self-contained power and be able to provide exactly. the uh, relative position yes yeah yeah exactly so you power it up essentially and you query the encoder and it gives you it gives you a true position it's just it's just yeah it makes it makes it transparent to the to the user right so shift gears a little bit here uh, okay okay and let's talk about um the way technology has affected price points uh, over the years Especially with absolute and incremental encoders, you know, typically in the past, those the price has been inhibited. Yeah, exactly. That, how that's a how has point. the technology and the price point changed regarding absolute encoders? That's a good point. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to direct this towards uh, uh, kit encoders, uh, okay. know, incremental versus versus uh, absolute magnetic kit sure. encoders. Sure. Great. You know, yeah, so, you know, traditionally, you know, if, if you if you were to Let's say it was, for example, let's say you, you, you're buying a, a stepper motor and you wanted some kind of a, a feedback device on the back of that stepper motor. You know, a lot of times you would see a, a nice little incremental kit encoder in the back of that stepper motor. Okay, so, you know, stepper motors are kind of a commodity item. My, my stepper motor friends are probably probably cringing when I say that, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but, you know, really, you know, you, you can buy a, 
really nice stepper motor, you know, in, in low quantities, you know, for, you know, maybe 30 or 40 bucks, right? You can get a really nice little, little stepper motor, you know? So if you want to have a, you know, position feedback in the back of that stepper motor, if, you know, if, if you want to control that stepper motor, if you want to do a, you know, treat it like a servo motor or treat it like a, you know, move and, and verify type situation, you typically would see an incremental encoder in the back of that. And so, you know, in, in volumes, you know, you, you can see an inc incremental encoder on the back of a separate motor, maybe in that $30 range, maybe $35 range. So you really have a, you know, a, a pricing that's par. You have a maybe a $30, $40 separate motor, and maybe you have a $35 to maybe $40 encoder on the back of it, you know, so it's kind of a one-to-one -one pricing. You know, but but if you're acquired, you know, absolute feedback, you know, be, before the, the magnetic kit encoder, absolute uh, kit encoder was available, you would have to throw a, a, a standalone encoder with a hub shaft or a through shaft on the back of the, of the stepper motor. And that, that encoder starts to look like, you know, a 200 to $300 part on the back of a $35, let's say, stepper motor. It right. just doesn't make sense. And doesn't unless the application sense. really, really needs uh, absolute feedback, you know, people would just not go that direction. But, but now, now with, with the positive, you know, kit encoder, it, it, it's, bec it's becoming more, you know, you know, closer in terms of uh, pricing parity. You know, of course, the 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 the, the, the absolute encoder from a positive kit is not a thirty-five dollar part, but maybe in volume it might be a seventy dollar part. You know, maybe it's a seventy-five dollar part. Right. You know, it, it it makes more sense now. You know, putting up maybe a seventy dollar part on the back of a thirty-five dollar, you know, separate motor. You know, it it just makes more sense. And in, in reality, if you look at the world, you know, in, in terms of positioning, in terms of control. The world is more absolute than it is incremental, you know, relative. You know, you don't, right. you don't, you don't, you point. don't, you know, drive down a road and, you know, and, and start counting miles and stop and hope you're at the right address. You know, you, you look at a, <laughs> you look at an address location and say, yeah, I'm at the right place, right? You know, that's an absolute, <laughs> absolute given. You know, but if you get lost a few times, you're you're really lost, right? If you're driving down a road trying <laughs> right. to find a, find a you know, location, so the, the the world is in, in in many cases just much more absolute than it is incremental. It's just that the incremental guys. Have been around for a while. And they've had enjoyed a very, very nice uh, price advantage against uh, the the magnetic or the, against the absolute guys. You, you know, and that example you gave of uh, stepper motors becoming commoditized—that's a great example of pretty much anything uh, within automation as well. You know, over time, scale, increased technology, increased demand will bring price down. And even things like we were talking pre previously about uh, robotics and robot robot arms. I mean, robots have almost become commoditized. I mean, they're still a little more expensive than a $30 stepper motor, but they've reached that point where programming, integration, price points, applications have all just brought it to such a scale that, yeah, I just need a articulated arm for a machine tending application and you know, boom. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. And, and there you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's the trend of the world, right? That that's the way things are. That's that's yeah. a normal, well, normal progression of products. And yeah, I mean, even look at you know things like low code, no code. You know, it's all yeah. about democratizing technology or democratizing automation, so that pretty much, I, I won't say anyone, but anyone with an engineering, some engineering know-how can can implement the technology. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You don't you don't have to have a PhD to uh, to get this application running, right? Absolutely, you know, it, absolutely. It just it just becomes a, a more of a day to day type of task in, in terms of manufacturing. So you've talked already about holding position, but let's talk a little bit about that in terms of like a TCO, a a, a total cost of ownership 
consideration based on applications. So when a system shuts shuts down, resets, and uh, you need to restart it, are I mean, are there encoder options that will hold position to avoid scrapping a batch or interrupting critical applications, such as uh, well, we're talking about robots, so like like a medical robot, even. So so indeed, uh, total cost of uh, of ownership. So uh, uh, you know, mentioning that that uh, the kit encoder, you know, being applied to a, to a motor, you know, getting closer to parity in terms of pricing. Uh, in, in terms of a you know, super low cost stepper motor, you know the the absolute encoders. You know if you if you if you move to an absolute encoder uh, control system, absolute position system. Really, what happens is is that uh, the need for for a homing cycle, which is which is time, which is cost, uh, the need for maybe limit switches or some mechanical safeguards. You don't know, drive a a machine through a wall in a factory. You know those those type of things start start to to dis, uh, disappear. Uh, of of course. There's always a level of, of fail safe safety. You have to, you know, in case something else happens to the system or whatever, you have to have a a way to maintain, you know, safety. But, you know, when when the system goes to an absolute encoder, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, oh, I should say like workarounds that that people had to do to to use a relative encoder, really start to go away. You know, that right. cost goes away. You know, so, you know, th those are bits and pieces on a machine. You know, bits and pieces on a machine are are uh, added complexity. You got cabling. You got all this stuff, right? Maintenance. Um, it, it just, it just, life just becomes a little bit more simpler if, if you start out with a, with an absolute position system. You know, like I say, so, the, the work, the workarounds just, just kind of fade away, which is cost. You know, right. Fades away. So, so is that? So, I mean, you really you're able to eliminate limit switches and homing cycles for positioning in in certain instances like that? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. You know. Suppose you have a. Suppose you, you know. Suppose you're you're processing a, a batch of wafers. You have some kind of uh, wafer handling equipment. Okay. Um, and you know, if, if 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 something goes on, if you if you happen to have a power glitch or something happens to the system and you lose your relative count, it's really hard to reset that process without losing your your batch. You know, if you're you're making a batch of 300 millimeter wafers, pile that's a pile of cost that could potentially be a a, a scrap. And and you know, you brought up uh, medical robots. You know. You know, we're 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 seeing applications uh, uh, with our products in medical industry, and uh, of course, um, uh, doing a, a home cycle or a reset during a procedure in a in a medical situation is is really a showstopper, right. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. To so say the least, you know. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there there are applications now. <laughs> it's it just. It just makes sense, right? And and, yeah. and absolute positioning systems, you know, enable that. You know that that they they help that 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 process or that that safety. Yeah, that, yeah, I, yeah. I would call that critical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be very critical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Literally. Yeah. So, and you've been very very generous with your time. I just, I have one more question. Sure. I I, I do want to no ask problem. you about. Uh, so, say on the back of a brushless DC motor, for example, what are the yeah. trade-offs between using an incremental encoder? With a Hall effect sensor versus the absolute absolute controller, is it, I mean, is it more than just the commutation? No, oh, this is a good one. This is a great one. This is a great one. So this is one of my this is one of my soapboxes. Brushes now, BLDC motors, brushes DC motors. So of course, um, brushes DC motors, you have to have a way to to uh, switch currents, you know, from the amplifier through the motor to make the motor to make the motor you know, rotate. Uh, provide you know, you know velocity or torque. Okay, traditionally, 
you know, this is backing up a, a bunch of years once again, you know, a couple hundred years back back when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you'd see a brushless DC motor. You'd see a brushless DC motor on the tail shaft. You would see a, a magnetic drum and three Hall effect sensors. Okay, right. those Hall effect sensors and drum would provide the, the commutation information for the for the drive, such that it could switch, you know, properly switch uh, the, the phase currents through the motor to control, you know, speed, direction, or torque of that motor. And 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 just as a side note, you know, commutation, you know, the, the commutation signals are usually a three-phase commutation on a back of brushless motors. Really, those commutation signals, a lot of times, are called UVW in the in the business, are really an absolute signal. They're an absolute signal over a small portion of rotation of the of the motor, okay? Because they need absolute position to switch the, the phase currents through the, through the motor or when the phase you know, switch phase currents through the motor. So you now going further ahead here, you know, from the old traditional design of you know motor, you, you got the you got your your commutation stuff on the back of the motor, right. then you you'd see an incremental encoder uh, on the back of the motor to provide your your position information for the control system. You know, moving forward from that point, um, you you started to see as encoders improved and, and were able to provide more information, you might be able to see an incremental encoder that would have the the A quad B with index pulse the traditional incremental signals. Plus the, the three phase commutation. So they're taking the, the functionality of the magnetic drum and three hall sensors. You know, okay. essentially putting that functionality inside the encoder. Then you'd really you know you'd remove that 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 portion from the motor. So you'd have a, a relative encoder with uh, UVW commutation signals. Well now that you have a, a kit encoder that's absolute, that's magnetic, that's that's comparable in price to maybe an incremental encoder or, or even more comparable to a to, to, to a, a hall incremental encoder, you can place that on the back of a motor. You can use the single turn absolute position information to provide your commutation points to your to, to your drive. Okay, so you can you can control your drive, uh, so it can switch the, the the phase currents of the motor, so you can control direction, rotation, uh, velocity, and torque of the motor. But you can also use uh, the, the absolute information for your your position feedback. So it becomes an absolute control system, and and using the absolute control system, absolute you know, uh, functionality, the single turn, you can control your phase currents. You know, we have we have quite a few applications going that direction for our, with our kit encoders. Absolutely, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Great information. Wow. I think uh, encoders are probably one of the more well, probably more one of the more misunderstood and definitely one of the more utilized uh, components. Within any within any type of uh, motion control system, uh, for sure that you know absolutely critical in um, so many applications. And I think you've brought a lot of insight into the latest technology and the way that's affected price and um, applications uh, within industrial settings, if nothing else. So thanks for joining us today, Jim. Uh, really appreciate well, my, your insights. Yeah, my, my pleasure. It's, it's it's always fun to talk shop, right? So this this absolutely. is a great opportunity. <laughs> yes. Yeah, looking forward to doing this again, actually. So thanks to our uh, all of our listeners today for joining us on Control Intelligence, the podcast for Control Design Magazine. Thanks, of course, to Positel Fraba's Jim Stevens for his insights into encoders. If you've enjoyed this episode of Control Intelligence, don't miss our older episodes and subscribe to find new podcasts in the future. You can find our podcast library at controldesign.com or download all episodes via Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Thanks again, Jim. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I enjoyed it. Hopefully we can do this again with some other subject matter. Thank you.